Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Welcome everyone. I am so pleased to be here today on Radio Northern Beaches and I have some fantastic guests today. I have three amazing people in the studio with me. They are Philip Seal. Welcome, Philip. Thank you, Karen. I'm glad that you could make it today. Oh, pleasure. And I also have Bob Mackay. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm very, very, very well and so pleased that you could make it as well. And the amazing Margaret McGloin. Good afternoon, Karen. Good afternoon, <laughs> Margaret. It's really great to have you here today. These are three of my peers from Toastmasters, Toastmasters at DY. And I thought today it would be fantastic to share some of the great things for the over 50s in Toastmasters. For some of you, you may not even know what Toastmasters is, so I am going to ask Bob. Bob, what's Toastmasters? Well, Toastmasters is an international organisation that operates in many countries, and it's really put together to help people gain confidence in public speaking and acquire some leadership skills that they can use in their daily life or in their work. It's a very social environment where people get together, they give speeches, they do impromptu speaking, they have a laugh. Have a laugh, there's often a lot of laughs. There yeah, are a lot of laughs, aren't there? And Philip, you belong to DY and you've had some great roles at Toastmasters, you've just been the president. Yes, that's right, just finished being the president last um, June and that was great fun. Um, great fun because the club is very supportive of its members and uh, thank thankfully for me very supportive of the president so I found it a really enjoyable experience. And Margaret, Margaret you are quite unique and you are amazing at Toastmasters and we all admire you because you were born in third decade of the last century, the that, 1930s. That's right, Karen, and I would have to be the oldest in Toastmasters. Probably the most intelligent, Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> You've had more years to learn than the rest of us. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I have always found from when I joined that it didn't matter how old you were, everybody made you welcome, even the young ones, and I've had many, many very nice friends down the years, even though they've come and they've gone. But as some leave, more join. Mm. I've found that too since I only joined Toastmasters or well, probably 15 months ago, last February when it first started for 2016. And there's constantly a turnover at DY of about 23 people on a lot of evenings and the faces do constantly change because people sometimes move on to other Toastmasters groups. Yes, they do. Actually, some people belong to two or three clubs. Do you belong to more than one? No, I've always 
been going to join the Harbour Diggers daytime one. But, um, and people keep asking me, why haven't I come? But um, one day I might get round to that. Mm. Uh, well, there's plenty of time, you know, you can go out during the day, enjoy yourself at Toastmasters, and the Harbour Diggers is an amazing club to be a part of. So, Margaret, while I'm talking to you, why did you join, join Toastmasters? I joined Toastmasters because I was uh, on a church committee and we were fighting the council about the rezoning of the car park next door and I didn't really have experience with public speaking apart from school activities and all and sporting activities. So I thought it would be a good way to get confidence to go up and uh, front up the council to be able to um, put our case forward uh, because we weren't happy that the um, car park was going to get rezoned because the church had sold off some of that um, space and there was a covenant on the land and it was supposed to always be a car park. And there are plenty of other reasons, Bob, why people join. Why did you join? Well, I had a long career and during that career I'd done a lot of public speaking and presentations and training courses and I actually learned to really enjoy it and when I've gone into semi-retirement and had less opportunities to do that I thought Toastmasters was a great chance to get up in front of a bunch of people and have my say about something or other and, and I just like speaking so it's to me it was mostly fun but I must say as, as you get older you also realise that Toastmasters is a, is a great big family there's lots of clubs it's structured at a way that you meet people from other clubs quite frequently so it's also a great social sort of place to be you've you've got contacts you've got people you're doing interesting and challenging things so and what about thinking you know like because we all have projects each week that we go along what about thinking about speech or your project how do you find that it's sometimes quite difficult particularly the speeches which tend to be about seven minutes so it takes a bit of preparation to put together a seven minute speech mainly to keep it short enough to fit into seven minutes because it's easier to talk for a whole lot longer it definitely <laughs> is and you and i are a bit yeah. like that we could go for hours and hours and yeah. it requires research yeah you've got to depending on the type of speech you're trying to give are you trying to persuade people are you just trying to inform them are you trying to entertain them so you have to do different research structure your speech differently think about topic that suits the point that you're trying to yeah, get across and, and make. So I like doing humorous speeches. That's probably my forte, I suppose. Um, I'm always on the lookout for good humour that I can adapt. Well, you are very good speech. at humorous speeches, and I want to talk to you about that later on. The first song that we're having today is Big Time Operator, which was chosen by Philip. Why did you choose Big Time Operator, Philip? It's a bit of an in-joke here, Karen. Uh, my partner, I think, is very talented and um, quite often I say to her, this is her theme song, a big-time operator, much to her chagrin, actually, but I just found it quirky and, um, and it's an Australian song, so well. I thought it was worthy. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. Thanks for the choice of that song, Big Time Operator, Philip. Don't forget to um, let your partner know that we played it here today on Radio Northern Beaches. I'll let her know. We were just talking in that while that song was going on about the types of people who join 
Toastmasters. Margaret, do you want to... Well, some of the people who joined um, in the early days when I was there were um, new Australians who would come in and their English was very limited and that gave them a chance to improve. Also, people who were going for interviews and also had to give seminars and presentations and they would come in and practice um, to improve. Yeah, to improve on what they, they're trying yeah. to express. Yes, to improve their body language and their voice um, volume. And I've often thought that a lot of politicians, particularly a few I know, should join Toastmasters and they would get uh, a better effect from a top evaluator from a top Toastmasters club than anybody that they employ. Well, Margaret just mentioned evaluators, Philip. So tell us about evaluations because people just don't go there and speak. They have to learn something. Yes, well, part of Toastmasters is one of the key features that everything and every speech and every spoken word almost gets evaluated. The speeches themselves get evaluated, but then the various roles during the evening get also evaluated. So you're getting feedback, even if it's a one-minute, two-minute, three-minute little speech or item that you're doing during the evening, that gets evaluated. And so that's very helpful in improving your speaking skills. And it's just not evaluation of what you say, is it? What else is an evaluation? Oh, no, no, it's all-encompassing. Thank you, Karen. Yes, it's everything, all aspects of public speaking, your your vocal variety, your range, your, yes, hand movements and gestures, and any irritating habits and things that you've got as well that get picked up on. The ums and ahs uh, that you bring into your conversation get counted. Things like the actual time you take as well. So you're kept to a time limit, so you're not going waffling on too long. Well, believe me, I've worked for a few people since joining Toastmasters, and I have thought, you need a timer on you because you just waffled for so long about nothing and it does keep you honest about what you're going to say and keep you on track when you know that there's a time. I love the ums and ahs counter. It's a job at Toastmasters that keeps you listening to absolutely every word that is said because you're looking for every word that shouldn't be said and marking it down and you get the result at the end. It's pretty nerve-wracking sometimes when you hear your name called. How many ums and ahs, Bob? Particularly if you've just come up with 17 and you're not supposed to have any. But just another comment on the timing and the evaluation. The meeting itself is timed. So a meeting's scheduled to last for two hours. There's a whole range of activities that fit into those time slots. And I really love that because so often at work I get invited to meetings which don't have any agenda, no timetable, nobody's prepared. The meeting runs on and on and on. And nothing and gets solved. Nothing gets solved. Um, so t- Toastmasters really does teach a lot of good leadership skills that transfer straight into the workplace around how to organise things and make things happen. And just giving feedback is a perfect example of that. You know. Well, I basically brought you guys here to talk about the over fifties and what they benefit, how they benefit from Toastmasters. But I want to talk about, without mentioning any names, one young man who was our VP last year, VP of Education, and he took this role up after his role after being in Toastmasters for about eight weeks. And Philip, 
Can you explain what he learnt in a year and how hard it was? You know who I'm talking about. I do, uh, indeed. Yes, I, I suppose I saw in Daniel something special. He'd only been in the club, you know, a matter of two or, two or three months. But I think he showed a willingness to want to take on a bigger role. And the VPE, Vice President of Education, is a very big role in the club because it, it means you organise all the agendas each week and make sure people are lined up to do their roles. But I think it was the leadership aspect of it that he had to coordinate with people and many of the people were a lot older than him and get them channeled and uh, corralled into doing jobs and roles and things like that and uh, I think he found it a very interesting and rewarding experience. So I know he found it hard work but he did it with such amazing, well he was just so capable in what he did and you just saw him grow and grow and grow and he was you know I was really proud of the work that he did you know just looking from the outside in I thought it was completely and utterly you know it really stretched him and he did such a great job. Yes absolutely right I think uh, um, he duly deserved the the award he got at the end of the year for the best role um, of the year and because he did grow so much in his um, in that position so yes I mean everyone grows you can't come to Toastmasters without growing, but he was an exception, I think. He drew, grew so much in a short space of time. While I have you speaking, why did you join Toastmasters? Well, interesting enough, I joined uh, for some of the reasons that Bob mentioned, but I had a big presentation to do with a state government um, uh, about four or five years ago, and I thought I'd better be a bit more prepared than what I normally am, and I thought I'd lack the confidence to and need a little bit of extra refinement. So that was part of the uh, reason for joining. And the reason I joined Toastmasters, I had a friend also in WA that was um, uh, going very gangbusters, going well with Toastmasters, and he spoke highly of it. And I, so I was impressed with that and his public speaking skills. And I, I, In fact, I've always been impressed with people who have got good public speaking skills. And uh, I wanted to emulate that. But, uh, yes, it was purely uh, that I wanted to improve my presentation skills that I joined Toastmasters. Bob, icebreaker. What's an icebreaker? Icebreaker is the first speech that everybody gives at Toastmasters. And why do they give an icebreaker speech? Well, it's just to get people used to standing up in front and talking. And the topic in all icebreaker speeches is supposed to be just the person themselves. Just stand up and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, where you've come from, what you're doing, what you're interested in. So things that people should know something about, about themselves, and so they can just concentrate on speaking without having to worry about the topic. And it's a fairly uh, nerve-wracking experience for some people the first time. Wouldn't you say that, Margaret? Yes, it certainly is very nerve-wracking. Your legs shake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're looking at people and you're thinking, oh, gosh. But you get there. And it's very important. It was very important for me because my icebreaker I, I gave on this speech that I was going to give up at Warringah Council and I wanted feedback for people how I could improve what, what I could make um, better 
And it was very good because the uh, evaluation and the other people afterwards gave me some very good um, hints. And with evaluations, Bob, I know we've talked about evaluations. I want to just explore that, that evaluations are a positive thing. Yes, and evaluations are a very difficult thing and probably the thing most of us in Toastmasters find difficult to do well because you have to give a lot of positive feedback to people and build them up in the areas where they've performed, if I can use that word. Well, but you also want to tell them about the things that are not so good and what they're doing, their erratic body movements or their lack of body movements or the fact that they're sitting and reading notes and not looking at the audience at all. And you have to so, be tactical about this. Well, you have to be tactful and tactical. Yeah. <laughs> That's the and, word I wanted. <laughs> yep, tactful. And it's, personally, I find evaluations one of the most difficult things about Toastmasters. It's, it's always easy to see the faults in what people do, and it's probably easy to see the things that people are doing well. But the difficult thing on the spur of the moment is to stand up and say, we think you could have done this in a better way, and here's an example of how you could have done it and if you did it that way this is the impact it would have had on the audience so there's a lot going on in your mind when you're trying to work through an evaluation and like most things in Toastmasters you have very little time to prepare you have to stand up do it literally on the spur of the moment I was only 19 you chose this song well talking about older people of course I was very much a Vietnam War conscript and I wasn't happy about it and I think this song represents a lot of that Well, this is for you, Bob. Welcome back. You're listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen on 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. I wanted to talk about competition because a lot of times people um, shy away from competition. We have competition in sport. We have all different types of competition. But we have competition in Toastmasters as well. And, Bob, you recently did very well in a competition. Was it a humorous competition? Humorous speech competition, yes. I managed to win the division-level competition for our area. The... Competitions are not for everybody, but in a sense it's, it's the ultimate form of evaluation. If, if you put yourself up against a lot of other you know, very good speakers and see how you rate and see the feedback that you get from people in doing that competition, it really drives improvement rapidly. And people don't have to be part of a competition. They can just be there to watch and participate and learn um, you, you can nominate yourself, yeah? Ah, uh, yes, it's entirely self-nominating and I think there's a lot of punishing. <laughs> probably a lot of people will never enter a competition but it, it is a good challenge. It's something worthwhile doing because the good thing about Toastmasters is no losers. Everybody wins, um, either because they're improving themselves or they're getting feedback that helps them to improve and, and that's really what it's all about. It's not being the best, it's getting better all the time and yeah self-improvement and of course nobody judges you for what you're doing up there it's it's really the competition you're in is your own competition that's the way I like to put it it's about improvement and it's certainly not judgment and it's absolutely the opposite actually every everybody admires you for having having a go go. yeah I've seen some amazing people um, coming through Toastmasters in particular And again, we don't have to talk about their names, but people who have come to Australia from Nepal and from India 
who give amazingly fabulous speeches of you know that show wisdom and um, they really bring bring things to a new level, especially when you see them looking up or looking down to try and get the words in English. You can almost see them translating, but the the growth in their language in their English language is fantastic, Philip. Yes, absolutely. I think one of the things that Toastmasters really does well is helping people with English as a second language. And yes, you're right, you, you see enormous gains with people who have come from overseas looking to improve their English and their expression. And we've got some wonderful examples at the club. They've currently just done some wonderful speeches. And yes, great depth of understanding and meaning and, and their English is improving week by week. It's some of the speeches that I've heard some of those people give that are ones that stay with me the longest. You know, there was one inspiring um, pearls of or pearls of wisdom, and, and there was which is a program here as well. Actually, there is a program inspiring pearls of wisdom, and I know that story when this person was talking about her father, and I, I just think it's fascinating some of the things that they they share with us, which is it's just awesome to hear. Um, uh, you know, sometimes about their lives in the country they've come from, which is really fantastic. Margaret, for older people. How do you think Toastmasters would appeal? Well, uh, I think it appeals to some. It just depends. I think as you get a bit older, perhaps they're not as interested. Even though I'm in my 80s, but it's still you you need that confidence if you're going to want, want to go out, take an active interest in uh, council meetings, see what's going on in the political world, which I like to do, and just even... Uh, Socially, it's it's very good for people. Yeah, because we all have sandwiches and tea and we have pizzas sometimes <laughs> and there's, you know, a lot of chit-chat in between. Yes, yes, there certainly is. And look, I've made some very nice friends there and then I still have them today, even though they've left Toastmasters. And uh, I'm just gearing up because I have a few things coming up myself and I want to be able to give a few good speeches and um, as Bob says about evaluations, evaluations are the very important thing and I don't ever feel I was a good evaluator. That's the one thing that slipped away from me. Yeah, it's a hard task and, you know, some of the speeches are harder to evaluate because they're very difficult content to... You've got to keep your head around it as you're going and, and there's sometimes I've thought, oh, I'm glad I'm not evaluating that because... Not because it was... a um, a poor speech but because I struggled in how I was going to evaluate it. It was my issue, not the person speaking. So C Certainly, if I could just say there, I think sometimes you hear a really good speech, really, really, really good speech, but as an evaluator, you're still duty-bound to try and tell the person how they could improve it. Mm. And that really is a challenge. Yeah, it is. And, and you see some of these evaluators get up and do it without notes and you think, oh, my gosh, how do you keep that in your mind? The listening post. Philip. Yes, well, the listening post is one of the roles. It's another interesting aspect of Toastmasters because it's a role that at the end of the evening someone has been asked to do the listening post then calls out information and snippets of uh, uh, speeches and things like that that people have said during the um, the meeting and we have to try and work out who's said it. So it's another fun thing. You know, let me just accent that 
Toastmasters is about having fun. It's learning things but having fun all the way through. Absolutely. I agree on that. The 12th of never. Margaret, you chose this one. <laughs> well, that has a lot of memories for me and um, it's one of my favourites that I like without going into any details. Okay, no details. <laughs> it's the 12th of never. Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. Philip, I think that you need to add a little bit more about people, older people and the benefits of Toastmasters. Yes, thanks, Karen. Yeah, during the break, we were just talking about how Toastmasters applies to everyone of every age. And I'll just going to say a little bit about why it's important for people of an older age, what they can get out of it. You know, I'm, I'm getting older now, and I found it still fascinating and interesting and absorbing, and I could learn new things, and it gave me a whole level of confidence that I didn't have before. And it makes it easy to speak out when, when you need to speak and when people ask at short notice to say something, it's a lot easier to do. And I think that people, as I just want to reiterate, anyone of any age gets something out of Toastmasters, but I think older people get something more because sometimes they've got more time mm. and they bring more experiences to the table as well in terms of their speeches and things they can say. And I think, yeah, I think older people... Uh, get something out of Toastmasters that sometimes the younger ones don't get. And I also think, you know, we, we all know about some of the, the, the terrible things that can happen, like dementia and Alzheimer's, as we get older. So if you're thinking about writing and preparing a speech and and rehearsing it and researching it, there's a lot of things going on that, that are, are using your mind. And hence I feel it's a, a great benefit, like music is a great benefit for people and dancing, there are all sorts of things that really help um, us to, you know, stay with it for, for longer. And I think Toastmasters definitely fits into that. Bob? There's the other side to what Philip said too, that the older people have a lot of experience, a lot of things to give back. So I think they, it's a bit like joining any volunteer organisation, you know, it's an opportunity to give something back. You're helping younger people with their development and skills. You're using your own experience to feed things back to them. Yep. Um, as well as this business that, you know, if, if you're a relatively deep thinker, and I like to think I am, you know, it's hard to find the opportunity sometimes to express yourself and talk about complex subjects and issues. And Toastmasters is an ideal forum to have a say about some things and get it off your chest. And yeah, I want to come back to something, you know, later, but you are really good at humour. I don't know how you write some of the humour. It's very dry, but sometimes I just sit there when you and I just go, oh, my goodness, how does he do that? Uh, it's not a natural gift. <laughs> it's a lot of research involved, and I think humour probably requires more research than most things because while they say that, you know, if you copy one person, it's plagiarism, but if you copy a 1,000 people, it's research, and... And I think humour's like that. I'm not sure there's any new jokes. It's just old jokes put in a different context. And well, it's the, yeah, it's the way you deliver it and where you, you know, there's a, a story you told about it, a trip once, a car trip, and, oh, my, we're all laughing. And I'm thinking, how does he do that? It's, it's quite hysterical. 
Anyway, it's, it's quite hysterical. <laughs> there's no, I don't think there's any magic bullet, and I, and I don't know where it comes from. It's, it's just that I enjoy it. And can I just say to you how good Bob is? Because I took my grandson, who I introduced to Team Connect, for the young ones from 13, I took him uh, to a couple of the contests where Bob was speaking, and I think that he learnt quite a bit from um, from those outings too. Bob was really very good. I think that you know some of um, us older people going along and helping and coaching the young teenagers coming through is another benefit. It's a a teacher, you know, nurturing sort of role. Yeah, I know your grandson is part of that, and he speaks so well for how old is he? Seventeen, eighteen? Uh, not seventeen yet. Still sixteen. Sweet sixteen. Mm. Six, <laughs> sweet sixteen, and plenty of confidence. And I think Toastmasters has played a big role in that for him. Yes, it has. And I'm very happy that I introduced it. And again, one of our DY Toastmasters has taken over that group too, or two of the. Toastmasters and they're doing a very good job and I think it's a pity that more people don't get their children into something like that rather than sitting on those little boxings all the time. I think for social activity and for for presentations at school and other uh, other things, it would be so much better for them. And maybe it's a good thing for grandparents to take the grandchildren along to when they're in teenagers, you know, and a bit of a bonding and something that they can do together. One thing I really love um, is table topics. Uh, Philip, let's talk about table topics. Yes, let's. Uh, this is one of the. This was one of the, the aspects of Toastmasters that I found difficult at first, because it's an impromptu topic, an impromptu speech for about a minute or sometimes at a competition level two minutes where you're not given, you're given the topic on the spot and asked to speak about it for a minute or two minutes and I found that quite difficult but in the real world though that's exactly what happens, you don't always have time to prepare for things so I think the table topics gives you a wonderful opportunity to be able to think on your feet. I should give you a table topic right now. I might give you one in a minute. You're going to have to speak on it for a minute. We'll think, Bob, Bob, can you just think up a table topic? For... I'll give you a minute or so to think of one, and Philip's going to talk for a minute on that one, just to give an example of what a table topic is like. But, Bob, no, so Philip, while Bob's thinking of a table topic, <laughs> I'm putting him on the spot here. There's a quote, if it's going to be, then it's up to me. Please talk a little bit about that for us. Yeah, well, you asked us to uh, give us a bit of an idea of a couple of quotes. I, got, I really like quotes. I think you've, you know, people who go to Toastmasters at DY will have heard many of my quotes, many of them from the movies. This is not from the movies. I don't know where it's, what its origins are, but um, I quite like it because it puts more responsibility on you, on, your, on each of us personally to do something. And, and I quite like its... Uh, I think there's a... Uh, theological aspect to it that I'd like to bring to it that uh, as I don't believe in an interventionist God that I believe that God resides in us then it's incumbent on us to speak up when things need to be spoken about to help others and to do the right thing at the right time and I think that's what um, that's what this quote is all about if things are going to change in the world in ourselves and in the world around us in our community then it's up to us I agree entirely on that one. So, yeah, if, if you can't change it, if you're not going to do it, 
you're not going to put the effort in, nothing's going to happen. I just called to say I love you. Do you love a phone call like that, Margaret? <laughs> well, it was a favourite of my husband's and anywhere when we went out, he used to ask them to play it. Uh-huh. And that was back in the days where everybody went dancing. That's where you met all your boyfriends. Not online? <laughs> not online, not on. No, it was more romantic. It was, it was lovely. And you, you danced, but any time we went anywhere to weddings and dinners and things like that, he used to ask them, would they play it? You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3 your community radio station. Thanks, Margaret, for that song. I really do enjoy that. Was that Johnny Mathis? No. Was that, who was it? No, that oh, wasn't. Who's this thing? No, it was Johnny Mathis before. Who yeah, sang? Uh, I don't know. We'll I have to look it up. That wasn't, um, I don't think. No, so, it definitely so. wasn't. How about, how do you cope with nerves, Philip? Well, I, I think the simple answer, if there is one, is that it gets a lot easier with practice, with public speaking. There is no... Everyone starts out with nerves, and I was no exception, but I found it a lot easier. With more practice, the nerves disappeared and got less and less. It's not as if you don't feel um, a little anxiety, that's for sure, but I think a lot, 90% of all of it disappears and you just have a normal reaction that this is important, you've got to make a good job of it, but you... The nerves disappear, which I think is wonderful, which allows you then to express yourself properly without being concerned about what others might think or that you're not doing the right thing or your nerves are getting in the way. I remember once in, at the company I'm working at now, I gave a presentation about probably about 15 years ago and my then sales manager had prepared this presentation and I was going through it and I really didn't like it. And I had to get up and do it. And you know what? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I was trembling. And my legs, like Margaret expressed it before, they were like jello. And my voice was like, you know, uh, uh, uh. And I then swore to myself that I would never do someone else's presentation again. That if I was doing a presentation, I had to write it, prepare it myself. Because it's so much easier when you're doing it from what you know and understand. And that happened a second time that was horrifying. And it was when I, when I wrote my book, Aging Fearlessly, I was doing a course called Key Person of Influence. And on the last day, we sort of had to present a business. And again, I stood on a stage in front of 30 people and you would have thought the earth was moving. It was just shaking under me and every part of me was quaking. But I've come through that now. And, uh, you know, that doesn't happen very often. You might get a bit of nerve, but not... It's healthy nerve. Often, you know, people... The only way you can tell that somebody's nervous when they're in front of you is because they tell you they are. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm up here, I'm frightened, or I haven't prepared the speech well, or I'm giving the speech for somebody else and I don't feel good about it. But if you don't actually say those things... Nobody knows, nobody else knows, and they just take what you're saying and it doesn't change. Now, for me, I have, I think the problem with nerves for me translates into my body and my body language and can I find a good position where I just stand there and don't sway or move unnecessarily. Um, so it, it reflects in various parts, but 
I should say the evaluation, that's where evaluation is so critical, that people are giving you feedback about these little things that are happening. Mm. And often if you can just fix a little thing, it makes a big difference to the whole picture. Yeah, I agree. Margaret, what do you find the most difficult thing at Toastmasters? Evaluations. Oh, you said that before. <laughs> so next week you're going to stand up and do an evaluation. No, next time I won't because the uh, program is out. So I have a little bit of um, telling up last week. Well, I'll put your name down for the week <laughs> after, don't worry. <laughs> Bob, what do you... Sorry. Um, Philip, what do you find the most difficult thing at Toastmasters? Well, I thought the one we've just spoke about earlier about uh, the... Um, I think that the first speech I ever did was the most difficult thing I ever did with Toastmasters, but the table topics with a one-minute uh, response with no warning is probably was the hardest thing I had to, to do at Toastmasters. I'm getting better at that, though. And Bob, for you? I'm trying to push myself to do evaluations without using any dates, mm. and that is actually very difficult because you've just listened to something. You have to critique it in a positive and, a, and an uplifting manner you've only got a few minutes to prepare for that and then to stand up and do that as a mini speech for two or three minutes without notes is actually very difficult but it's it's a challenge that I'm enjoying trying mm. to overcome well I'm going to throw this one to you which whoever would like to answer this what do you like most about Toastmasters well I'm going to jump in and say the camaraderie I, I like the the fun we have together you're meeting with like-minded people that want to do, the, you know, that want to support each other. I find that one of the most interesting aspects. Plus, uh, plus, as we spoke about before, getting the confidence to stand up in front of people without the lectern, without anything, without notes, and just talk to people. I yeah, that that's a great thing. What about you, Margaret? Anything? Yes, I'd have to agree with Phil that they are the main um, the main points. It's the the people. The support that they give you if, if you're nervous and, and, and you need help. And I think that's where the mentoring came in, didn't it? And unfortunately, when I joined, I missed out on a mentor, which probably would have made a little bit of difference at the big beginning. But uh, I think now when I watch the young ones coming through, I think that the, other, the older ones... Um, the established ones take them under their wing mm. and, and, and really help them. And make them feel and safe. Make, yes, make them feel safe. I think for me too, exactly what you said, but also that it's a safe place to try things. It's a safe place to go in there and think, I could make a complete nut of fool of myself here, but nobody's going to care. I can get up and I can really test the waters and it might be something that you're doing for um, a competition. It might be something you're doing in the workplace. It might be, like you say, doing a, a speech at a wedding or, you know, at church or wherever you're, you're going. And it, it is a safe place. To me, it's a challenge. Um, and I suppose it depends on how you're approaching this. If you're coming at it from a viewpoint of nerves, then, you know, it's overcoming that. But... What I've found in the last few years, I think the younger people that are coming through into the Toastmasters are bringing a whole new depth of discussion and topics and skill, and it's really putting pressure, I think, on the more established Toastmasters to actually improve themselves even further and more quickly than they might otherwise have done. 
Um, that's a really good point. And but speak to the sky by Rick Springfield. Which one of you chose this song? Oh, I chose that only because we're looking. We're on the theme of speaking, and uh, I, I thought this might be kind of loosely <laughs> relevant to our topic today. It's a great song. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in It's not all nine to five, it's a wonderful life. Let's go and climb mountains high, swim across oceans wide. Live out our dreams, just you and me. Let your heart be alive. There's no time to Gotta go get the most out of time Don't be afraid Like this treasure that you've got to find Baby, don't be shy Let's go and take that ride Taste the sweet and the spice Everything nice Let your heart just let your heart come alive, honey. Let your heart be alive.